our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, some of you I've met, and, but many of you I haven't yet, so let me just really quick introduce who I am. My name is Scott Stigmeyer, and I teach theology at York Concordia University in California. And I'm here with my family because your pastor, uh, Pastor Schaff, an old and good friend of mine, asked me to come and do a little speaking during the week and to offer a word from the Lord today. Uh, you know, like I told the Bible class, uh, your pastor's weird. Uh, I've known him for a long time, so I know what I'm saying. Uh, I hope you don't mind me saying that. What I mean is that your pastor preaches Jesus. That's weird to the world. That's just strange. That's odd. Thank God for odd, right? Thank God for your pastor. So uh, let me, uh, I'm going to preach to you on Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 17, if, uh, which was read, but if you want to open that up, I'll, uh, I'll allude to that from time to time. And it's about the creation of Adam and, uh, and, and what that means and what Adam is really like and what God uh, promises to Adam and how things work out. What's the meaning of life? Well, we're all here on the earth, but what's the point? To understand, uh, understand well where, where we're headed, where things are headed, we need to look at the past to where things started. And that's why I want to look at Genesis. Moses wrote in the book of Genesis in chapter 2 that the first human being, Adam, was created by God out of the dust of the earth and by God's own hands and given the breath of life from God's own mouth. Not everyone agrees with Moses. Some people say that we are not sacred, that we are really nothing more than unguided atoms and energy. Uh, for example, uh, let me uh, share with you some quotes here real quick. There's a professor at MIT named Alan Lightman who said, and I'm, I'm quoting a speech he gave, we are nothing but bones and tissues, gelatinous membranes, whatever those are, neurons, electrical impulses and chemicals. And he says, we are a bunch of atoms, like trees and like donuts. <laughs> yeah, that's what we are. <laughs> Uh, and then another uh, a scientist from Oxford University who, who is an atheist, and he says, now get this worldview. He says that we are determined, and our lives are determined by nothing but, and I quote, blind, pitiless indifference. I uh, read this quote to a, a group of students of mine and this young lady who was headed to uh, medical school and is there now. She heard me say that, and she says, Man, that's dark. It's dark, blind, pitiless indifference. Now go have a nice day. Right? Have a nice day with that. The Christian belief, though, is different. The Christian belief is that human beings are loved by God, created in his image, saved by the blood of Jesus and that we will be raised up from the dead on the last day. So, which is it? What would you rather go with? Are you just electrical impulses and chemicals in a blind and pitiless indifferent universe? Or are you loved, created, 
saved, and raised up. Which outlook, the first one or the second one, the secular or the Christian one, do you think is going to give you the best basis for flourishing, for thriving? You are not a, a product of uh, random accidents. You're not random. Or a purposeless, uh, purposeless collection of chemicals. You have a purpose. Your life has meaning. And what is the purpose of your life? You don't need a horoscope or a crystal ball. You are here simply because God wants to love you. He wants you to live in joy with him. You, what you are made for is love. God did not create you because he was lonely or because he got bored or depressed or frustrated waiting for the next iPhone to come out. No, God is the happiest of all beings who made us to share in his happiness. You were made to give and receive love. That's what it is. But many people don't see that. They don't know it or they don't understand it. Our biggest problem, my friends, is that we are no longer the way that God made us to be uh, or uh, living the way he intends. We are no longer innocent and pure, not really. We are all turned upside down and inside out. And the world marks, uh, bears the marks of this reversal being turned inside out, and so do our hearts. The serpent's biggest lie. Uh, it, we just read about the creation of Adam, and, and shortly after that, which is not there on your paper, was the creation of Eve and how they gave, God gave Adam to Eve uh, and Eve to each other. You know what Adam's first words are recorded in the Bible, the very first words of any human being, when Adam was shown Eve, and he says, at last, right, it's joy. The Bible begins with the wedding and ends with the wedding. It's joy, right, it's happiness, it's love in God and the way God intends for this world to be. But the serpent's biggest lie is that God does not love you. That's a lie. Do you know uh, what the definition of love is? Even the world doesn't get this wrong, uh, right. Many times in rom-coms and uh, love songs, which are often quite fun and lovely, uh, but it, it gets love wrong many times. Love is not about a feeling or what you get out of things. Love is giving yourself to someone else. Not because you need something out of them, not to, uh, with the intention of getting something in return. You know, think of a marriage. If you love your spouse, do you love your spouse secretly hoping that uh, they'll do something for you? Well, we shouldn't. We love unconditionally, and when the other one loves you unconditionally, there's nothing better on earth. But sin is always the opposite of love. And sin entered the world with uh, Genesis chapter 3. The definition of sin is self-centeredness. It really is just that, that you want to always need and take and demand to be radically self-centered, complaining, comparing, taking. Now, how did we go as a, as a race, as humanity? How did we go from perfect love and trusting God in harmony with each other and with creation? How do we go from that to 
uh, self-centeredness and fear. The creation of Adam is before you and Eve shortly after, and then after that in Genesis 3, the devil comes in the form of a serpent to tempt them. And, and many of you, I think, know this story. He told Eve that basically if they would just do things the way they want, if they would just do it their way, then things would be better. Do it your way, uh, the way you kind of want to plan things, your, your life out. Not, not God's way, because God doesn't really have your best interests at heart. You've got to look out for number one. You've got to be, in, uh, you know, take charge and, uh, you know, make your own way. But the devil is a liar. He always twists and distorts the truth. You know, the, the most powerful lies are those that have a kernel of truth, you know. But the devil twists the good promises of God. He always promises more, but delivers less. Now, our downfall didn't really begin at that moment when Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit. They were already lost by then. The, the, our downfall began the moment they began to doubt God's word. That, that, that he created them for love. Once they began to doubt that and think that maybe God doesn't really have our interests at, at heart and we need to make sure that things work out well for us. Now the heart of, of, of this original sin and for every sin that has happened ever after is the idea that you don't need God to be happy. That you can find lasting joy and, and, and fulfillment in the things that you do and the things that you own. Take money or, or career or uh, status or, or achievements, accomplishments, for example. You know, it's not, it's not wrong to be rich in gold. It, it, it's wrong to love being rich in gold. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, none of the, those things are necessarily bad. They're good, like money and career and accomplishments, those aren't necessarily bad. They're good. They're just not the best. They're not the best things. Money, career, accomplishment, achievement. It's not really that we hope for too much, but that we're satisfied with too little. We ask God for too little. See, God is laying a glorious banquet of fellowship before us. And there we are, eating mud pies under the back porch, and telling ourselves how delicious they are. Don't accept any substitute. The Lord is joy. Our lives, you know, they kind of spin out of control and they get centered around things. We spend so much time trying to accumulate things and uh, the gifts that we forget the giver. Now, we have to make some serious changes in our lives because this isn't sustainable. We need to get our minds right. But because we cannot climb up to God, the Son of God came down to us to bring us up to him. Jesus did not come to show us the way. He came to be the way. We were really in bondage to sin, and we cannot free ourselves. How do I know that? Because we're going to die. That's not God's plan. So Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who came to set you free, to be our great emancipator, the one who came, like Moses, only more than Moses, to take us out of the land of bondage into the promised land flowing with milk and honey, to make things right between us and the Father. Jesus 
became our scapegoat. He took upon himself the guilt of our sins so that through Jesus' death on the cross, you are acquitted, you are innocent in the eyes of God uh, because Jesus took it all. When God looks at you in Christ, he doesn't see the doubt, uh, the rebelliousness, the self-centeredness. Instead, he sees the righteousness of his son covering you by grace. God hates sin, but not because he's angry. God hates sin because he loves. God hates sin because it's bad for us. It's bad for us to be self-centered. When we rebel against God, we just hurt ourselves, and our, our Father loves us. He doesn't want that. You need, my friends, we all need as Christians who, who, who love to hear the gospel, we should be confident that God's mercy is stronger than our sins and that God's love is more powerful than death. Jesus gives and we receive. That's, that's how it works. Jesus loves and we are loved. That's the meaning of life. Everything else flows out of that. God loves you. We are loved by God. That's simple. It's, it, it's, it's hard, but it's not complicated. Seeing yourself in the light of God's grace is, is very freeing. As those redeemed by Christ the crucified, you do not need to prove yourself. You don't need to impress anyone. You don't need to compete over anything, and you don't need to be afraid. You do not owe the Lord a single thing, only to let him love you. You parents, uh, you don't love your children uh, and make sacrifices to them, right? And then turn around and say, now you owe me, right? No way. And as Jesus said, if we who are wicked know how to be good parents, at least some of the time, imagine how the Father is to us. God loves you and you are loved by him, period. You know, one of the worst words in, in the world is the word but. B-U-T, one T, the word but. The, the devil may grant, the devil will say, God loves you, but. Or God can forgive you, but. There are no buts in the gospel. So don't put a comma where there should be a period. Don't try to add anything to grace. And, and, and since I know that I do not, once I know that I do not need to make myself clean and righteous, that I don't have to figure everything out myself you know, you come to the realization at hope at some point that you're not the general manager of the world <laughs> where people have to get you to solve their problems. Knowing that God's got it all in his hands is very liberating, and, and now I can truly rest. God commands us to rest, and, and this is what he means. Sometimes people will look at a, a little baby uh, sleeping in their crib, and they'll say something like, I wish I could sleep like that baby. <laughs> no one wants to say, I slept like a teenager, right? <laughs> we all want to say, I slept like a baby. And you know why babies can sleep like that? Because they assume you've got it covered. Whatever it is, you've got them covered. So be like a baby because God's got you covered, right? You can really rest in the gospel, when you don't have to prove anything because you are approved in Christ, trust that promise. 
Because what did Adam do in the very beginning to bring life to himself? Before God breathed on him, he was just a lump of clay, a clod of dirt. But when God took hold with his loving intentions and his tender mercies, Adam became a living soul. That clod of dirt did not try, need to try to win God over. God is already in love with you. So if the definition of love is giving, the definition of the Christian life is to be given to. And the gratitude that just naturally flows out of that. Being blessed by your Father in heaven puts you in the best position to be a blessing to each other. Right? The ultimate universe, the ultimate power of the universe is not blind or pitiless or indifferent. He knows your name. He knows how many hairs are in your head or... Uh, that, which is an, uh, increasingly a smaller number uh, for my, in my case. Um, you are free to serve God and to serve your neighbor, not to earn points, but you are free uh, through the ministry of Jesus Christ. So tonight before you go to bed, um, here's your assignment. Tonight before you go to bed, look in the mirror and say to your face, you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ. You've been died for. God's got you. Now go right to sleep like a baby. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which brings life and uh, grace, be with you now and forever. Amen.